0: cannabis connection i'm christopher carr i hope you're having a beautiful day i hope you're having a beautiful week i hope you're out there living life and living for what you love this is the cannabis connection cannabis talk radio santa cruz it's an honor to be here it's so good to be back live and direct and to be here with nick at night live at KSEO studios big ups it's good to be alive. My guest tonight is Joey Berger. He's a regenerative cannabis consultant, dragonfly earth medicine, Pure certified educator, and permaculture teacher with over 27 years practicing in the Emerald Triangle's cannabis industry. Most recently, he has been serving as the permaculture director at Heartwood Mountain Sanctuary, a wilderness retreat destination learning village and community hub in Humboldt County. And Tamara Thorne, a, she is a dragonfly earth medicine, pure certified educator, herbalist, natural herbalist, natural farmer, and owner of Heal Thyself Gardens, a regenerative herb farm, wellness product line, and holistic education center. I apologize if I mispronounced your name, but welcome to the Cannabis Connection. I'm going to bring on one at a time. So welcome, Joey. Are you with us? Thank you for having us. Yeah, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, brother. All right, here I'm going to bring on, bring on another caller here. Let's just bring her. Welcome to the Cannabis Connection. Are you with us? Hi there. Yeah, we did it. Are you both on? (laughs) Yeah. Live and direct, Santa Cruz Cannabis Talk Radio. Can you? uh, So Joey, where are you joining us from? Where in the world is Joey Berger?
1: We are actually both uh, right outside of the Middletown Farmer's Market right now. Oh, um, word. In Middletown, California. This is in Lake County, right on the south point of Lake County, right where it meets Napa. Um, so, yeah, tomorrow Venn's out here weekly, and uh, I'm just down here keeping her company. We're getting her farm ready for next weekend's workshop. And um, so, yeah, we just heard some great music. She's slinging her potions and pictures and topicals and mm-hmm. Just broken up some great community vibes up here in beautiful little Middletown.
0: Give thanks to Mara. So you got a workshop coming up. Can you just share share with our audience what's what's happening? What what can we look forward to?
2: This next Saturday um, is our workshop on teaching all the different methods, like we do with um, the all the different natural inputs and the pesticides, and how to you know just use what you've got everything you have around you, and um, I really enjoy showing the methods on how we farm and how easy it can be and so much cost effective compared to, like, when you're just doing organically to switching to regenerative. And so we're both really excited to teach these methods. This is definitely something that... I'm very excited to bring to my community, and um, there's not many natural farmers down here, so it's really exciting to, to bring that
0: here. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, it's very, very, very important, and I think it's timely. We're all encountering. I want to send prayers up to all the communities uh, experiencing a wildfire. Uh, my home up in El Dorado County, the Caldor Fire, uh, mandatory evacuation line was... A mile from my front door, where I grew up, my parents, my brother, are still out there. They're in this warning zone. Um, winds are a major factor. Every 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 evening, uh, we're seeing a massive growth, um, and this is happening exactly a year. Uh, this time last year, my wife and I and our whole her whole family with us were evacuated from the CZU Lightning Complex fire here in Santa Cruz Mountains. So this has become a pattern, right? And I think a big part of the theme we want to explore tonight is how do we align with nature and how do we find these uh, ways to rekindle our innate um, role as stewards of the earth and utilize um, observation and alignment with with natural plants, feeding plants. And um, I think that's a nice segue to talk a little bit about Regenerative cannabis, right? This is a Cannabis Connection show, although I truly believe cannabis is a gateway and a catalyst for all types of uh, appreciation and, and stewardship of, of, of many plants, uh, many crops. Diversity is strength. Diversity is health. Um, so maybe, maybe Joey, and, and we can segue to go back and forth a little bit about um the journey to get to regenerative cannabis and, and being DEM pure, a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Well, I'll give a little background on, on the Dragonfly Earth Medicine Pure Certification. Um, Dragonfly Earth Medicine is a, a, a farmers' collective, a collective of farmers and educators who uh, are deeply passionate about um, these regenerative practices, these practices that are beyond organic, these practices that help regenerate soil and regenerate life on the planet. Um, As we all know, this this industry has been dominated by uh, extractive practices, and and we've got to make change fast. Um, So Dragonfly Earth Medicine, founded by um, Josh Service and Kelly Dunn, uh, incredible educators, farmers, uh, big inspiration to all of us. They brought this big group of farmers together and put together a certification for these regenerative practices. And it's a peer certification. It costs no money. It's certified by the community. Tomorrow, and I go out in our communities and do these certifications for farmers, which is a total joy and a pleasure to visit these farms and, and meet these people who are so passionate who have already been living this lifestyle, and you know they are so connected to their land and to their soil and to you know everything that gets brought onto their farm, and they're making such an attempt to create no waste. And, and they're the ones who are getting by in this very slim market right now where margins are just evaporating um you know to grow like your standard or uh, you know organic or conventional farmer if you're shopping at the grocery store the dollars are flying out of your pocket so the people who are embracing these regenerative practices these natural farming techniques where you can make your own fertilizers your own pesticides your own soil inoculants they're going to be the ones who can weather this, uh, these next couple of years, as, as prices keep dipping, as we see big commercial grows come online, um, we're starting to see that natural farming might be the only way we can afford to stay in this in this game right now and, and create really healthy medicine at the same time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Dragonfly Earth Medicine, DEM's done some great stuff, uh, a lot of education. Um, there's a lot more work to do. Uh, But I would encourage anyone who's a a commercial cannabis consumer to seek out DEM-certified products. These are products that are really mindful, uh, are held to the highest standard in the industry, Um, and seek that out and support these farmers who are actually making uh, the efforts to go the extra mile. I really care about
0: this stuff. Well said. Yeah, it's it's very important to to be mindful of, of keeping overhead down um you're so right, and this is something that 's a really timely we've been here before one thing that is guaranteed is the markets in cannabis are very volatile um and we've seen these seen these dips but the 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 industry is 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 progressing it's evolving, and uh yeah these larger operators are certainly um becoming a major factor. Um, along with all these other interesting things we're encountering in this um in this challenging time um and th- part of the regenerative um, approach i mean tomorrow could you speak to that like when you go to these farms um I, I, the the peer certification and uh the peer review is is a very special part uh I imagine there's a, a community uh, empowerment piece and a way of, of building capacity amongst farms um can you speak to that a little bit in the you know regenerative uh and and dem pure certification is also um, a mechanism of bringing cohesion amongst farmers in these challenging times as things change and evolve yeah one
2: one thing I really love about the the d m certification is that like Joey said, it's free and it can't be bought. And so when we go there or whoever comes, when one of us go to certify another farm, it has to be someone who's very close, like one of the closest people to you. So they're in your community and they know what kind of plants grow there. They know, like, you're really more accountable to another farmer. And I have really like that, that we all, like, hold each other accountable and um, have, like, meetings about what's what the what, – how much – less plastic use do we really want to have on our farms and can we find other ways to not use plastic and you know there's just all these beautiful methods that I love diving deep into with this community and what I found is like when you go there and you see some people and you get it like they get it you know it's like oh of course you're not going to have a big burn pile but you're trying to cover that wood with you know and build over that and that's like you know sinking that carbon and also doing fire prevention and it's like your mind starts thinking towards it and you realize yeah, there's family right there and it's the these regenerative like a mindset you know of like how not of like it's not just about money or being organic certified this is about how do we really make a difference how do we heal our land and Like, for my land, where we are, it's definitely been, I I would say, raped. Like, my land has been mined in several places. It had an old mercury mine on it, and it has another place that's been mined down to the bedrock. And so when I get out there, I was like, okay, there's this land very much called to me. But the things I look at is, like, not only am I working on my regeneratives and my cannabis, they also just make it even taste better. And, but it's like I'm looking at the whole land, you know, this whole land, this whole holistic view of it, of, like, how can I build back where it's been mined down to the bedrock? How can I make sure my waters are pure? I'm at the top of the watershed. I'm always making sure the waters stay clear. If there's a new algae bloom, I'm looking why. You know, it's those kind of methods when you're looking at your whole farm as a, like, holistic being, instead sort of piece by piece. And um for me, I, when I found DEM, I was like, wow, I love this because it's about, how, like, you to even qualify for it, you have to have seven closed-loop systems, and those closed-loop systems are really important. They can be, like, a chicken. Like, you learn permaculture, the chicken is, like, the epicness of, like, permaculture because... There you are, eat your scraps, and it's like has your egg, and then you can eat the egg, and then you can feed your scraps to it. And then also now we can take those eggshells and make it into a calcium tea for our plants. Oh, let's toast them a little bit. Okay, now we have calcium phosphorus for all of our plants. Oh, and look, it poops too. We can use that chicken manure, you know, and feed it to the plants as well or create a better compost pile and top dress. So it becomes this multi-purpose like thing, and that's about those closed-loop systems. Oh, and plus, chickens peck and they like scratch and till the soil for you, you know. Wow. And so you find those kind of systems, and that's where your mind goes. It's like it's not just about following these like no chemical kind of things. It's like a regeneration. Like how do we regenerate the soil, this land, and and all these different closed loops and. Once you start closing loops, you get this really good feeling. It's real like wholesome.
0: You're like, ah, oh, yeah. It, it just feels right. <laughs> yeah, closing the loops. Well, it's a mindset. We've had um, a friends, uh, Nick Nicholas Mahmood, Elizabeth Mahmood of Greensource Gardens up in uh, Southern Oregon, yeah. and their land too was mi- was mined, and uh, serpentine, mm. I believe, had concentrations yep. of, of challenging. Uh, minerals and and metals and scary things and yeah they heap and keep their carbon they have amazing hugo culture you know it's like one acre but it's just such a vast uh, uh, eden Um, and and potatoes I remember we just left with so many potatoes um, underneath the with the herbs and and yeah this is a closing loop mindset and Nicholas always speaks to this so the you know the regenerative approach is, is a process if someone says they are you know 100% regenerative is is they're losing touch of the of the closing loop mindset of this ongoing uh process of of alignment and diversity and and and, and bringing in uh more life and, and the chicken analogy was actually really well said i i love that um you, in permaculture i mean some of these names too and these titles I, but they're all kind of uh aligned in in the intention um Maybe Julie, I know you you work and, and you're uh permaculture director at the Heartwood Mountain Sanctuary. Can you speak to this um, for maybe the novice listener? I mean, we have a very target audience, but can you speak to these, um, you know, permaculture principles and, and how they can contribute to that regenerative process of of, of 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 cultivating the best cannabis, but also caring for the land, maybe healing? I mean, by by definition, regenerating the land. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thanks for asking that, Chris. Um, Yeah, for a a quick little background on permaculture. Permaculture is a design system uh, created by an Australian, Bill Mollison, in the 70s. And this is a design system based on the philosophy that nature knows best, that nature has a divine intelligence. And, um, and that if we create systems that are based on these patterns we see in nature that mimic nature, we can re- we can build these very resilient systems that can, uh, that can regenerate and stand the test of time. And so uh, permaculture is a set of ethics and a set of principles. Uh, permaculture ethics are people care, earth care, and fair share. That means any yields are returned to support those first two ethics of people care and, and um, earth care. So these are really heady ethics to be. Founding uh, uh, this whole thing on. And then these permaculture principles or this design system. Um, principles like create no waste, use your available on site resources, value the marginal. Um, and so the, the things that we practice Korean natural farming, Jadong, these living soils, this Google culture construction, these practices all fit under the, um, under this, uh, heading of permaculture. These all fit right under those permaculture principles. Um, The Korean natural farming and the Jadam ultra-low-cost farming that we practice, which is an evolution of of Korean natural farming, these are are, are based on the use of plants and the use of microbes that we gather in the forest so that we can create our own fertilizers, create our own inputs. um, We can close the loops. We can give um, independence back to the farmer that they don't have to be reliant on chemical companies or fertilizer companies or the grow store. Um, so permaculture is really, for me, it's the overarching um, house that all these different modalities live in. And I pull, I pull from every one of these modalities when I'm in my garden. Um, I, I don't practice just one dogma. I need every tool in my toolbox, and that's why I'm constantly trying to learn and figure out better ways to do this, cheaper ways to do this, uh, better ways to use the resources that are available to me on my farm and, and on the farms that I go out and visit. Um, yeah, it's really just being able to recognize these plant allies that are all around us and getting to know them, not just how they can, you know, be used in our garden, but how they can heal our bodies, uh, how they can heal our health, especially during these COVID times. I think we're all getting a lot more aware of that we might need to all be our own doctor. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And the closer we can get to nature and the closer we can get to these plants, uh, uh, you know, tap into that divine intelligence that nature's provided. Um uh, you know, we can build these really resilient systems that are going to, going to care for us and, and, uh, care for our land and, and nourish ourselves. And, um, so yeah, that's a, that's a brief intro on permaculture. And that's certainly how Tamara and I have both approached our farming operations over the years is from that permaculture background. And, um, yeah, the discovery of KNF and Jadom over the last five, six years has been a real game changer. Um, I was certainly was an organic farmer most of my career and and um, learning as much as I could. And, you know, if you're an organic farmer who's still shopping at the grocery store, that can still be very expensive. Very and
2: um, the, game changer,
1: the game changer was just realizing I, I had everything I needed right around me and that I could make all these fertilizers for plants I was either growing or I could pick on my land. And, and, um, and it's been a total game changer and uh, really fun to learn Learn these new techniques that are really ancient techniques. None of this is new. This is all indigenous culture, indigenous knowledge. that You know, we need to recognize and honor that. Um, but much like everything in our food in our food system right now, everything is is adopted from indigenous culture. So we want to honor those that came before us and, and thank them because we are becoming reaware of this this knowledge and and uh, and reaware of that connection to to the to nature that we've. We've lost, and how important it is to regain that. So it's really exciting to see, you know, during this COVID time, a lot of people opening up and opening up to the importance of this, their health, their food, that maybe a, a backyard full of vegetables is more important than a front yard with a portion in it. And,
0: um, wow, yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, last year we couldn't find any seeds for sale as we we're planting our garden. I took that as a good sign. You know, oh yeah, was sold a lot out. <laughs> yeah, so let's hope people are waking up, and and let's make sure this knowledge is available to them when they're ready to start asking some questions.
0: Well, and we're seeing interruptions in supply chains, and and and, and disruptions. And I mean, the na- the earth is 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 a living. There's a there's a bit of a an immune uh, ha- response happening, a bit of a reckoning. I think in some ways too. You mentioned about indigenous. Knowledge and getting back to the roots, and we used to have, you know, Ohlone, Amamutsun. We're on Amamutsun land and Aloni Nation here on the central coast. And this is um, controlled burns were part of that tradition of stewarding and, and forest, you know, foresting the forest, uh, taking care of of these areas and understanding the importance of of these native. Plants and species and their interactions and relations and what they can do for other plants and and what they can do to you, for your health. Uh, you're so true. It's so important to realize we need to get ready uh, and 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 watch these patterns as they happen. And and I think it is uh, timely, maybe that people are waking up. It is this um, no coincidence that this seventh generation is is is, is, is you know, we're talking about Korean natural farming, which is a great segue. I'd like to explore that. You did such a well; it was nicely articulated to, to hear about Bill Millicent and and these key ethics and principles. Uh, but um, maybe tomorrow I can speak about you know the progression from the Permaculture Foundation to um, rediscovering the wisdom behind Korean natural farming, I think some of our listeners. We've had Chris Trump on. He's a wonderful teacher and, and uh, uh, steward of this knowledge from Master Cho. Uh, but, yeah, it's a really important and deep rabbit hole. I still feel such like a novice and almost intimidated because there's so many recipes. And uh, But maybe just give us the, the overview and the progression. And in, 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 I would love to hear, Joey, too, in, in your um adopting these practices and diving into this a- ancient wisdom, creating natural farming
2: yeah i i see my journey my journey became started when I was wolfing. I did the wolfing where I did work trading on different organic farms with my little boy when he was about two years old. And we traveled around the country doing that. And that was like a big introduction to farming and different methods for me. And I started understanding what permaculture was. And um, my favorite part is this that I got to learn in different climates. And then I got to just see so many different ways things are done. And there's even, you know, names that I'm realizing is for this natural farming I was seeing done. And I didn't realize, you know, there wasn't, it was indigenous, you know, it was something that's been passed down, especially like, um, putting the different plants in water and, and letting them sit and feeding them back to, um, the same plant. And so that was my introduction a lot into farming. And then I came out to California and decided I wanted to um grow like homestead and grow cannabis before that I've been traveling for a while and so the first thing I did is um took a permaculture class and so that was my first year growing cannabis I got my I took my permaculture class and then I started learning about you know compost teas and was doing all that and doing top dressings and I kind of made I think about six Lasagna type gardens the first year I learned about how to do them. I kind of became obsessed with it. <laughs> it's like, do you want to garden in your yard? Nice. And, yeah. uh, you know, I like really became obsessed. And the horse farm knew me because I'd come and get huge, like, you know, truckloads, dump trucks of yeah, manure. manure. Yeah. And, but then, you know, you have to learn about what is acceptable because sometimes there'll be like horses that have wormers that are chemicals. And so you have to find the good farms for that. And so for me, I, I got an introduction a little bit at one of the farms, and it was called he industri- called it industrial harvesting, and it was pretty much using whatever you could and whatever was on hand. And uh, we used to go at this farm and harvest bags of leaves in these like richer neighborhoods because people just bag up their leaves, and we're like, let's take them and use them in the garden. And so it was a really fun split time that I got to learn about this. And so it's really kind of fed over into how I do things is I really look around to see what, what is accessible. And, um, but before I really learned about natural farming, I was very much into doing organics and doing all these composting teas. And I, so Joey, just the other day, I came across some older receipts and these old receipts was nine grand and, Holy tea in, yeah. uh-huh, and tea supplies and top dressing supplies and that wasn't even everything that wasn't my cover crops that wasn't my fertilizers that wasn't and i was like oh my god i think my bills and and granted i had two cannabis farms was fourteen thousand.
0: yeah and, um, and you're not alone i mean yeah. to this day that's a lot a lot of the even small operators that
2: good. Yeah. So, and so from that, I end up. I remember my introduction to natural farming is I went to this um, meeting. It was like a, I think it was a Women Grow meeting, and I met Dia um, from Nomad's Landing. And she was talking about how you turn comfrey, you know, into this nice, nice, good nitrogen source and how to use eggshells to make calcium. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I was like on the front row realizing my mind was being blown going, oh, my God, yes, yes, okay. And so afterwards, I like went up to her. I was like, you got to teach me everything, you know, like what, who are you? And can you come to my farm? And so she really helped introduce a lot of the natural farming, the Jadam and the Korean natural farming. Her and um, Dia and Spencer from Nomad's Landing, amazing people. They also introduced me to dragonfly earth medicine and um, helped me realize that I already had seven, you know, closed loop systems happening. And that was, it was beautiful. So that was my introduction from like permaculture, organic farming into this more of like natural farming and now the knf i personally i love i'm very eclectic with my farming i do biodynamics I, I i take from all kinds of sources i love it lane ingrams i love her work and so i really like some of the different like the plant juices and the um collecting the imo was in the imo4 it's fun but switching over to jadam and like going from that to jadam jadam's really a lot easier I mean, I'm collecting like a bucket of comfrey, filling it up with water and then putting leaf mold on top for a week. And that's it. Whereas I'm, whereas with the K and F, I'm doing a lot of sugar and, and weighing and which personally I like to do. I like a little of all, you know, yeah. um, but I do really like the microbial brew from the Jadam a lot because you get to see when those microbials are ready. I've stopped actually using compost teas now, which is a huge thing for me, Um, and not brewing anymore because I've realized that the microbials, they're telling me when they're ready. I don't have to guess anymore. I don't have to listen of, like, should it be 12 hours? Should it be 24 hours when you get a microscope out now with my brewer? But now I don't have to think about it. I just make the microbial brews, like, sometimes two times a week, at least once a week. And they tell me when they're ready because you know when the bubbles and the foam is all on top. And then it starts dying off if you don't get it in time. And so which is becomes a nutritive tea for it. But um that's what I really like about that is being able to tell and just kinda of let nature do her thing and that feels really nice. I'm harvesting my um fruit teas from the um from the trees and there, some of the ripe and sometimes the unripe fruit for different times getting i really liked this year getting the mistletoe out of the trees and being able to use that for phosphorus whoa (laughs) uh, yeah right and it it was really fun and then just a couple days ago i've got juniper all over my my place and so i was able to i saw thrips i've got a a thrips happening and uh, they're not that bad and so i'm able to keep it under control by i went and grabbed juniper and some bay laurel boiled those in some water Five hours later, I have a pesticide and sprayed the plants with that mixed with soap. And that, to me, is the best part about, like, some of these more very simplistic ways of farming is that I don't have to think about things in advance. I'm like, oh, there's there's a nitrogen deficiency. Let me go grab some comfrey. Let me go grab some goat manure and make a tea up or chicken poo or whatever I've got on hand. It's about using what resources you have on hand. And then the same thing for pesticide. I, I grow tobacco as well, and so you know I've got all these different ways that I can, all these different herbs and, and trees that I can pull from from different pesticides for different pesticides to take care of, like an aphid infestation breaks out. Like I have no concern. I used to be nervous when I do my IPM. I'd be like all tense and. Okay, am I going to see some eggs or, oh, God, you know? And now I'm like, oh, sweet, it's time to do the IPM. And I'm like, oh, there's a bug. All right, let me try that new, you know, mix-out I made. And it's a different shift for me. And I I really like the whole, that whole mindset of, like, using what you got and making it as simple as possible because farming's a lot of work. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We can make it simple and easy to do.
0: Oh, yeah,
2: I'm on board with that.
0: Yeah, well, I think Joey, I mean, i won't quote him from a previous interview i did some due diligence making farming accessible for everyone farmers will do what is easy um man that was an amazing testimonial there were some real key examples and i think um a couple key things that imo and 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 JDOM and we have these um you know these um and even ipm integrated pest management indigenous microorganisms um to the novice here maybe they don't know these terms. And, and maybe, Joey, can, can you can you break it down a little bit and um, speak to, because you're right. I, I, I'm i learning about Jadam through prep, prepping for this show. It's, it's incredible. Um, and uh, I ordered the book from Master Cho's son. Um, but I would love to hear from Joey a little bit about, um, you know, just a little bit, break it down for the novice years. Um, you know, a little bit about K&F and, and then the progression into Jadam and, and then these simple ferments uh, that can, that like I said, making farming accessible for everyone and, and farmers doing what is easy um, at the right time with the context of growing cannabis. And we're in this time of year for the outdoor farmer uh, where things are flowering. And maybe you can give us some advice about maybe plants or, or things that are available uh, naturally in the native environments of maybe California as a context uh, to, to help with flowering?
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, for a little background on Korean natural farming and Jaedom, KNF, Korean natural farming was founded by a Korean named Master Cho. Um, um, I'm trying to remember his full name, Hank Yoo Cho. And um, we call him Master Cho. And like I said, he wanted to give give the power back to the farmer. You know, these these chemical companies, Big Ag wants you to think, you have to go to the university, you have to be a soil scientist, that the, the average farmer is not capable of making plants grow. And that's just false. I mean, our ancestors farmed for eons.
0: Um, in
1: in parts of Asia, they farmed the same ways for thousands of years, using, you know, mostly manures and compost. Um, so he he, you know... He he, he figured out how to harness the energy of these plants, power these plants. And in Korea, they have a lot of rice and they have a lot of sugar. So that's what he used. Um, They would use the sugar in in the fermentation process, and they would use the rice in the um, IMO collection process, capturing the indigenous microorganisms. These are the microbes that are um, on your site, that that thrive in your location, your elevation, your exposure to the sun. They're going to be the ones that know what to do on your farm, know how to go to work, know how to decompose, be, you know, shred, shred um, uh, do their work in the soil food web. So that, that was a, a big milestone for small farmers to be able to, to be able to um, gather those skills and, and uh, be able to create their own fertilizers and culture their own microbes. Um, when Korean natural farming was introduced to the U.S., it was brought to Hawaii where it was first introduced, where they have rice, where they have sugar, where they have a similar um, climate. So it fit really well for their context. Uh, Master Cho's son, Young Sang Cho, um, he wanted to make Korean natural farming more accessible on a larger scale so it could really transform our current um, industrial agriculture system, our current food system. So he figured out a way to... uh, do all of this on a larger scale with even less inputs, without the sugar and without the rice. Um, just using the microbes that we gather in the forest, the microbes that are already indigenous to your location. Um, so for, uh, a cannabis farmer out here in, in Northern California, Jadom fits our context really well. Because I don't want to buy sugar. I don't want to buy rice. I'm trying to cut sugar out of my, out of my diet. And I definitely want to cut it out of my garden's diet. Um, the sugar industry is just an awful monster. Even if you're buying organic sugar, it's it's a pretty awful thing to be supporting. Um, so Jadom works great for me for my context. I find I don't need to buy anything. There are times where I will still make Korean natural farming inputs, especially if I have a plant that I only have a little bit of or a plant that's difficult to harvest. Um, in, the, in the early springtime, it's The miner's lettuce is a very tiny plant that makes a good salad green, but it also makes a really high nitrogen fertilizer. Um, But it's a tiny plant, and you don't usually find a ton of it in forests. So if I only have a little bit of a plant, a marginal amount, I will make a Korean Natural Farming um, FPJ. That's a fermented plant juice. And this is a very strong input that once I make it, I will be able to dilute it one part into 500 parts of water. That's how concentrated this is. Um, the the Jadom liquid fertilizer, its Jadom counterpart, would only be about 20 to 30 to 1 strength at its most powerful. But I can make it with no sugar. I can make it on a very large scale. Um, so it fits my context a little better. But like I said, I use all these tools in my toolbox. I want to have them all available to me. Um, so this time of year, we're in what we call the transition period right now. This is when our plants are switching from vegetative stage into flowering stage. This is a very important um, uh, stage in a plant's life where it needs a lot of fertility. It needs a lot of nutrition. Um, In natural farming, Korean natural farming in Jadam, we we have what is called the nutritive cycle theory. And this is the theory that a plant has three stages in in, in its life. It has the vegetative stage, has the transition stage, which we're in right now, and has the flowering stage. And we want to make our ferment out of plants that are in those stages to feed to our plants during those stages. So in the springtime, when our ganja is vegging away, uh, the very first high-nitrogen vegging ferment that I like to make in the springtime is from a plant that I see on almost every property I visit. I go out and do a lot of consulting for legacy farmers to help them convert to these practices. The, 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 calmest, the common plant we see all over here in NorCal is the blackberry. A lot of people think of it as a weed. It's invasive. It's a pain in the ass. I am so happy when I see this plant because if I see blackberry, I know I'm going to be able to make you're going to be able to make three ferments throughout your season: a veg one in the springtime out of those fast-growing leafy green shoots, a transition one which I've made over the last few weeks out of the unripe red blackberries, um, and over the coming weeks we're going to start making our uh, our flowering and fruiting uh, ferments out of the ripe blackberry. I just made one of those the other day at a little class this last week, a little blackberry festival. Um, wow. So yeah, so when you're making them out of these fruits, these are these are just complete turp boosters. you know this is yeah. add so much flavor to your cannabis. when you're when you're growing cannabis with plants from your land and microbes that you cultured on your site, and you're growing it in hoogles with wood that you grew, you know cleared from your land to build that soil, I mean, talk about uh, Appalachian, talk about terroir, talk about a product that is so unique to your farm and your biome and your cultivation techniques. Um, There's nobody that's going to be able to reproduce that. Um, So it's really special when you start embracing these natural farming practices, because you can make something that is so unique to your property, to your Appalachian, to your area. Um, So I drive all over Humboldt and and Mendo and, and, and Trinity and, you know, visit these farms and and I know if I'm driving out towards the coast, I know there's certain plants I'm going to see there. I know I'm going to see the bracken fern. And I love this bracken fern because um, it comes out in about May, June, and we can start making a pesticide out of it right away. It's a very powerful pesticide. But this plant is also very high in phosphorus. So a few weeks ago, we made our, we started making our phosphorus ferments, and uh, we made them out of the bracken fern. Uh, As Tamara mentioned, we make it out of the mistletoe, which is um, a parasite on your oak trees. One of the permaculture principles is stack functions. So we just, you know, everything you do, you want it to have multiple reasons, multiple reasons why you did it, multiple functions. So if I can cut out uh, an invasive species out of one of my trees and make my tree healthier and use that, that thing I just cut out as an input, well, I just stack the function. I didn't just cut it out and burn it or, you know. I'm using that resource. Everything on your, everything is a resource. How many times can we cycle all these resources through our systems before they leave our land, before we lose that fertility or we lose that energy? Whether it be, whether it be the sun hitting, hitting our farm and we want to stack multiple layers of plants so it all gets hit or whether it's water flowing through our land and we want to cycle it through some hoogles or some swales and slow it down and spread it out and sink it into the water table so that water's not just rushing off our land with all of our fertility and all of our nutrients with it so so some of the other uh inputs we make this time of year uh, if we're you know we're feeding our transition permits right now these are mostly made out of our unripe fruits our unripe um, thinnings from our fruit trees you know this time of year you get your fruit trees that are bending over with all the weight from that fruit and if you don't get out there and thin some of that fruit off you're probably going to end up with broken branches so this is a great use for that unripe fruit. Go out there and make these unripe fruit ferments for your transition. And if you're gonna, if you're ma- if you're growing cannabis, which I assume most of your listeners are, um, you can make this out of the unripe little buds. You know, go in and clean out the insides of those plants so you can get some good airflow in there, and clean out all those little tiny buds, and that's what you would make your transition ferment out of. And I like to grow a few autoflower plants on my farm so that early in the year I know I'm going to have a that are going to be budding that I can either make a transition ferment out of or I can make a flower ferment. Um, the, the other great thing about your dom is these ferments get better with age. You never have to dump out the, um, the container that you're making them in. Anybody who's ever been inside of a compost tea brewer to clean it out knows the pain of that. And uh, <laughs> so that's what I, another thing I like is you just you never have to clean these out Um you don't have to be, you know, careful like that. These are these are anaerobic microbes. They're very tough. They know how to live uh, up in these rough hill conditions on your farm. So, um, yeah. So right now we're getting into those flowering ferments and uh, and making sure that we're still, you know, regularly feeding biology into our soil. Soil. We're keeping our microbial levels really high. We're feeding that soil food web. You know, a lot of times people think these fertilizers are to feed our plants, but it's really to feed the the soil food web, feed all these organisms, this whole environment that's taking place under the soil. Um, So natural farming gives us some really easy, accessible tools for this. That's what we love about teaching this, is that it is so accessible for everyone. You know, there's there's nothing here that's expensive to use. There's no expensive equipment. There's no expensive materials. You know, the majority of this is all accessible to you guys. You know, you might have to buy a bag of potatoes.
0: If you don't have potatoes, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Could try growing them too. It's 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 part of that process of learning. Um, can you give us an example too? Because so anaerobic, anaerobic ferments. That's a key thing. Um, we, we like when we were thinking about. I really resonated with tomorrow, and she was saying, you know, like these these bills we used to pay at the grow shops, and and you and Joey mentioned the brewer. And I know the brewer at many farms is now getting dust by the shed. Um, and I agree that even um, some composters are—they uh, haven't been turned. Or, you know, things you buy at Costco or, or at, a, at Home Depot or something—you you just don't see those. It sounds like a good idea. You might stick with it for a little bit. But uh, what I love about hearing about dadam and anaerobic uh, ferment is these are very low maintenance, accessible things. And and part of it too is is it it brightens your awareness and 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 consciousness around these like rosemary for example we have a lot of rosemary around our little home and and home you know it's wonderful for the cooking and but it also can be a a natural um, pesticide in an an anaerobic ferment Um, and comfrey was mentioned. Um, Blackberry—that's a fascinating because that is very prevalent. And where I grew up in Gold Country and all over Northern California, that's really impressive to see. It, it hits that vegetative transition and flower stage, um, and, and even the fla- and the cannabis plant can feed itself. That's also a f- amazing finding from this conversation. But can you speak to like a five gallon bucket? Is that will that suffice, or you know, what, what kind of um, you know, how does someone embark? On an anaerobic ferment uh, process.
2: Um. you want to take so that so, uh, Yeah, can you hear me?
0: Yes, I hear okay. you. you. sound great.
2: Okay, sorry, <laughs> my phone went out. Um, yeah, the, so, so how you would do it is if I wanted to make a comfrey ferment, I would go and harvest comfrey and I would cut it up into a five gallon bucket. And then I would fill that bucket up with water. I would cover, I'd um, probably usually get it about an inch from the top. And then I would go and collect some leaf mold. And what leaf mold is, is just that, that you know, you see those white striations underneath trees. You go right to the, like a, a tree trunk or a little bit out from it and you start digging down. You start seeing all the mycelium, the little white striations and, you'll usually grab down there and it'll be like clump. And that's like all the mycelium stuck together. And so you go and harvest in that leaf mold and you cover the top of your um, your ferment with it. And then you just put a lid on top. You don't want to close it completely. You know, you don't want to seal it. You still want air to get through, but you just place it on top. And then you want to put that as close to your garden as you can so it's brewing. you're brewing those microbes in the same, and that key in the same environment that your plants are growing in. And um, so you would let that go. And depending on the plant, the comfrey kind of breaks down, like, you know, leaves and stuff, they break down faster, usually about seven days. And um, whereas I definitely saw the mistletoe took a little longer, it's more thicker and hardier. And um, we also have some some um, mussel shells. <laughs> That we harvested and wow. did the same thing with, aha, uh-huh, from the ocean, and they're still going. We're thinking about three months, and it's just putting the water, you know, covering it with water and putting leaf mold on top, and then you're just brewing that out where out, all your plants are. We have like, um, like by my, I have a little. We just built this nutritive shed, and um, all of my buckets are just right out there by the garden and um, all the different buckets, and you want to make sure you have your names on them because you will forget <laughs> And what, <laughs> when you start brewing them. And then those usually go in. I do about a gallon per, like, 30 gallons. And so what I like to do is I like to mix and match. So I'll have my cannabis one, and which is really nice if you're pruning your plants, and especially it's transition time. So, boom, you put that in there, and you can feed it next week you're still transitioning plants or even going into flower because you have those hormones from it and and then you have you know the phosphorus and all those good nutrients too i have like cannabis i have the muscle shells right now i have a star thistle one going because i have a lot of star thistle at my place and it's flowering so i was like oh great flower teeth and um, mugwort mugwort's really um, high in potassium So that's really good also for um, during transition time, a little extra um, potassium. And um, then I've got some of some peach ones going from my peach tree. And uh, so, yeah, it's really the basics. You're just filling your bucket with some kind of plant material. And I like to chop it up. The more you do, the easier it is to break down. But honestly, you don't have to. I have just put comfrey in there, been in a really big hurry or done leaves and not really chopped it up. Just put them in the bucket, squished it down, you know, put the water, put the leaf mold, put the lid, boom, gone. And, wow. Um, I, that I, I really like that. I absolutely love that about doing these. And some of my bigger ones that I do, like you, it's really fun because you can get it very specific, you know, with all these different ones and have all your buckets. But what I also personally like to do is I like to do a veg, a 55-gallon drum of veg and a 55 of, like, flower fruiting. And so during the spring, I'll go and collect all the grasses, all the cover crops. You know, we're chopping and dropping those super high-nutrient-rich, and I always feel, like, that springtime energy, you know, that is, like, you're also collecting those, and everything's just fresh and just really, like, vital. And so, and then um, I'll fill that drum up and make that tea the same way, you know, put a lot of leaf mold, a little bit more. And if I start, if you ever start um, smelling them, what I, the best thing to do is put more leaf mold or mushrooms. I mean, mushrooms, even if like I've had mushrooms kind of go bad from the store or something, I'll just go put on my mushrooms and my teas because it's, those mushrooms really help break it down like fast. And um, then I do the same thing with that big bloom one. I'll go get flowers. I'll get as much fruit um, and just make a mixture. You know, I have two big mixtures that I use with my veg and bloom teas, and then I'll add in all these little extra things to it. I, we, I really like uh, marshmallow. That's a new one for me, and it's just really high in different minerals. It gets those minerals from really deep to those roots, and um, that one I kind of like to add in both times. And um, and you can also do this with manures. I do this with goat manure as well. And um, you can also do bunny manure. <laughs> we use bunnies a lot. We have bunnies. And, oh, um, wow. hmm And you can just same thing. You're filling that up with water, you, and you put your leaf mold on top, and you just like a little nice tea for that. So,
0: mm-hmm. Leaf mold crucial. It's the IMO, the indigenous microorganisms, and mycelium. So it's like a, yes. It's like it's, it's like a very key ingredient, and I, I love it. it. And and you both, so Joey too. I, we're getting close to the top of the hour. I don't want us to get cut off, and I want to, I want to share with our audience and everyone listening. And every show is recorded, so this could be a wonderful resource to share. I, I certainly will be listening back to these um, words of wisdom. But you have workshops and camps coming up. And I just want to give you guys that opportunity to really share and and provide the details for the events, the in-person learning sessions.
1: Yeah, well, we are really excited about these two upcoming workshops. Uh, We just had one up in Humboldt a few weeks ago that was sold out. A total, total wonderful time. Had 30 people up to Heartwood Mountain Sanctuary where I'm working. Um, we're really excited to be hosting this next workshop at Tomorrow's Farm, Heal Thyself Gardens, outside of Middletown here in Lake County. Um, that's going to be a week from tomorrow, August 28th, uh, from 9 in the morning till 6 in the evening. Um, we're going to run through some of our favorite natural farming inputs and regenerative practices. These are pretty much all practices we both use on our farm. This is really, if you come take this class, you're going to be re- really well-rounded at the end of the day. Um, We start with microbial solution. This is how you build the strong the strong biological communities in your soil. This is the most important input in natural farming, whether it's Korean natural farming or JADAM, It's all about the microbial life in soil. Um, Then we go into making our liquid fertilizers, which we've been touching on a little bit tonight. We're going to show you guys how the the fertilizers Tamara makes and how she uses them on her beautiful farm. Um, We're going to go into fermented plant and fermented fruit juice, which is the traditional Korean natural farming. Um, Input. We're going to uh, have a talk on companion planting and cover crops and show how Tamara's using those on her farm. We're going to go into the dunk remediation technique, which is very important as we're all suffering from the smoke damage and ashes on our flower. This um, remediation technique can really clean your flower and get it to where it can pass microbial testing in the rec market. Um, and then we're going to go and end the day with a beautiful Google culture build. Um, this is a way of building soil using the wood resources that we all need to be clearing out of our forests right now as we make our properties more fire safe. Um, that's going to wow. be a really fun way to end the day. We're going to to use the A-frame level, which shows you how to make contour lines, use the level lines on a hill, so you can make these swales and these Googles that will catch the water. and.
0: Sink we're at one more minute. We're water. almost at the end. Yeah, one more minute.
1: Yeah. And then September 11th, we're bringing the same show up to Eugene. It's Saturday. We're going to be at the beautiful Torch River Farm, a beautiful farm that's in the, in the transition towards uh, regenerative practices. And um, you can reach us both on our Instagrams. The link to register is in both of our bios. Um, I'm the Humboldt Local, and tomorrow is heal underscore thyself gardens. Um, you can also go to tinyurl.com slash regen camp to register for the Middletown camp and Regen Camp 3 to register for the Eugene Camp. And, um, yeah, we're going to send people home with some of the inputs we're going to make during the day, some of the um, fermented fruit juice, some of the pesticide. We're going to send you home with a binder full of all the SOPs for all of the inputs we're going to teach you how to make.
0: Thank you, guys.